Beyond the Wrench with Jay Ganinen from Wrenchway. Welcome to Beyond the Wrench. My name is Jay Ganinen and I am your host. Today, super, super excited to have my buddy Zach Espinosa, who is an automotive technician at Dolan Toyota, back on the episode, back on the podcast. Uh, he actually appeared with us in episode 87. We're actually now up to episode 170, uh, which is really, really crazy to think about. We've had so many incredible guests over the the time since we started the podcast and have seen it really grow, which is really exciting. But Zach is one of my favorites. And, and uh, today, Zach and I are going to dive into the importance of networking, uh, building a community rather than just an industry. We're going to talk about uh, the relationship between uh, manager and tech and how we communicate, uh, really just a lot about communication and at some at some level putting yourself out there as a technician. So, Zach, how are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty well myself. Um, as we've discussed before, uh, I'm working at a new dealership out here in uh, in Reno, and um, I'm really liking it out here. It's, uh, it's a lot larger than I'm used to. It's... Um, I mean, it's been a really good experience. It's it's with Toyota. I'm back with them. It's been probably shoot ten years since I've been with Toyota as a company, and a lot of things have definitely changed. That's for sure. Not just in the industry, but with this specific manufacturer. But uh, so far for the better. So I'm um, doing pretty good. You sounds like you guys are pumping out podcasts. Quite a quite a few <laughs> episodes going, huh? <laughs> It it's crazy uh, looking back in uh, when we started the podcast, just uh, really not knowing a ton about podcasting, and and really just uh, for me, it's always been about being able to sit down with smart people and uh, kind of pick their brain in a way that you really can't in general day to day operations, right? And so for for me, selfishly, it's been a lot of fun. I've learned so much by doing the podcast and. Uh, especially from the technicians, right? And that's where I'm excited to have you back on is uh, when we get that viewpoint of a technician, I think it helps the industry better understand what it is that we're missing and maybe what technicians like, what they don't like, and really dive into some things that we might not normally talk about. So yeah, it's been it's been cool. But, uh, but you know, it, as we grow it, it's just more and more fun because now we get to have recurring guests like you on uh, and hear how you're doing. And it, it's interesting to me to see your career progression and, and uh, moving from California to Nevada now, kind of across across the border, right? Yeah, a little uh, a little ways away, not too far away from where I was at. It's, uh, it's a little under a four hour drive, which is which is nice to comfortable, um, comfortable distance. You know, um, I mean, as you know, I'm, I'm getting married and, and we moved out here for cost purposes. And it's I mean, it's been it's been very interesting being back in the snow um, and then adversely <laughs> back in the heat. Um, but, you know, I mean, good. Like I said, good all in all, just um, a new environment, new experience, a whole honestly new laws that they have and don't yeah. have compared to the two. I mean, it's it's a completely different and yet similar kind of thing, which is, which is really, it's really nice. Honestly, I, I, I like my experience out here so far. 
moving out of California has to feel like moving out of a different country at some level. <laughs> Almost. Yeah. I mean, things are <laughs> things in California before, I mean, COVID, I mean, I, I'm sure everyone has their own experience with that. Um, and then having seen where we're at or where we were at before I moved out and then moving to Nevada and having it like it almost never happened, you know, like everything is back to complete normal, what you would think that it should have been. But, um, California wasn't quite there yet. So yeah, a little more stringent in California, but it, it's, uh, uh, Reno is an underrated place and I think it's a, it's a great spot for you. And, um, I, Day-to-day shop operations, anything real different uh, as since you've moved to Nevada? Um, not, not necessarily. No, I mean, um, you you go up, you get work, you work, and then you turn it in and get the next one. I mean, relatively the same for me. Um, there are a lot as far as uh, like uh, for example, smog certification process. Like I'm, I'm getting, uh, I'm in the process right now of getting my smog certification out here in Nevada. And the experience is night and day between here in California. I mean, in California, we did a six month program at a junior college, which used to be called the clean air car course. I'm not sure what they call it now. Um, but we did six months of smog training and then we did, uh, like finals and everything like it was a regular class. And then out here we did eight days and, uh, it was just, going over basic laws and how to use the machine. And then you go to the DMV, which is who gives you your license, which is also different from California. Um, and you take a class and then a test and then, um, and then you're done. I mean, and then you're either licensed or you're not. So out in California, it's much more of a, much more of a painstaking and meticulous process. It took almost a year in total wow. in California. Yeah, it was crazy. What, what is the process for, emissions certification for a vehicle, uh, the differences between the two states, I'm guessing, you know, is, is it running it, uh, running a car on a dyno and, and, uh, putting a stick in a pipe or is it, is it different altogether? It's been a long time since I, in Wisconsin, we don't have any of the, uh, emission stuff, but I lived in Illinois for a short time when I was a tech and, uh, in the Chicago area and we had to run it, uh, you know, up to get approved and, uh, run the vehicle up and, and, uh, it, it was quite the process. Uh, the process is pretty much the same. Um, as far as actual hands on the vehicle, we have our OBD two tests, which you just plug into the DLC and it reads, you know, the emissions and, and you do, um, your inspections, your, uh, visual inspections, but in California, um, visual inspections generally, were more extensive. So out here, you just check to see if the the emissions device is present and connected, but you don't necessarily have to know if it's working or not. You just have to put appears functional. Whereas there were some instances in California where you would actually have to physically test the component. And also uh, out there in California, they they were worried about uh, evap evaporative emissions uh, that can come out of the evap system. And here uh, we don't inspect any of that. No canister inspections or anything, just, just what's under the hood and what's on the emissions label. So that's different. And uh, working around in an area where we do have smog emissions testing, um, but also being surrounded by areas that don't have it. So having to know the difference 
in, all right, well, your zip code is outside of our emissions testing or your zip code is within our emissions testing area. But if you get your mail from this specific uh, post office, then you don't have to get emissions. So it's, I mean, it's new and it's not new. It's, it's emissions testing. We still do tailpipe tests also. Um, no dinos unless it's a diesel out here. I think that's what California is as well, though. Um, or that's what it was, I think, when I left. We didn't do dinos over there very much at all. That's nice. Yeah, it is kind of nice. nice. You don't have to strap a car down to a dyno. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So uh, the reason we wanted to meet again and have a conversation was uh, communication with techs. And uh, as it relates to working with the front office folks, uh, working with your manager, uh, and then really kind of going outside of those bounds and looking at how you network as a tech. And I think you do it differently than a lot of people do. And it's maybe something that I think is really good for technicians to, to learn from, because I think it puts you outside of your comfort zone a little bit, even as it relates to that, that conversation with your manager, right? There's so many people that are afraid to have a good, honest conversation with their manager. And so when we kicked around the idea of having you back on the podcast, that was one of the things that really stuck out to me. And, and, you know, I've gotten to know you over the years here uh, and see that you've got the the personality to network. And I, I don't know that it's always associated that personality, that networking type of personality with a technician. So at some level, it almost seems a little foreign, right? So, uh, really today is all about communication and, and communication with uh, your, your leadership communication with uh, the outside world, if you will. And really the, the need to uh, I think for a lot of technicians get better in this regard. And we'll talk about why uh, it's important, but maybe that's where we start off. You know, as we look at communication and this is something I struggled with early in my career, was being upfront with a with a manager and uh, being able to look them in in the eye and kind of tell them what you truly thought rather than just saying, you know, okay, I'm good, but also doing it in a tactful way, right? I think a lot of techs will uh, wait until they're really really upset and then kind of go off. And I don't know if that's necessarily the right way, but uh, you know, when when we're talking about communication. Uh, this is important to you, right? This is something that you you take a lot of pride in. And uh, I, I'm just interested to learn to start with, has this always been easy for you? Or is this something you had to work at? And, uh, definitely not. It has not been easy. And it wasn't something that I learned overnight. Um, I think that's that's number one, first and foremost, for any technicians that are going to listen to this and, and take anything from it is, is understand that it is a process. You, you don't sit there and go, Oh, well, I'm just going to do this now and completely change the way that you do things. That's, that's not how it's going to work. Um, it took me probably, I want to say I didn't start networking until about three years ago, four years ago. Um, and it wasn't until I got advice from someone who was not even in the industry where they had suggested that I, I go on to LinkedIn and start networking with people and um, doing interviews, I, I would just do interviews with different managers and uh, at different dealerships or shops or over the phone interviews and just kind of get that exposure, even if I didn't intend to 
to take the job. And I was also very upfront with a lot of them. And I said, you know, I'm gainfully employed. Um, I like where I'm at right now. I do want to hear what you have to say, but understand that there is a possibility. Uh, sometimes I would say that there's a, a pretty good possibility that I'm going to decline your offer, but I would love to hear what you have to say. And I think that's probably um, the first point that I would say in communication with anybody is just like, listen to what they have to say to you and then respond accordingly. Um, but I, through that, just doing the, the networking and talking to these managers and, and just doing these interviews, I started to kind of realize that management isn't somebody to be afraid of. And I think that a lot of technicians, that's, that's a huge line that it's difficult to cross is you're, you're talking to this person who you view as someone who could potentially fire you, you know, and you don't want to get fired. You don't want to say something wrong and they get on their bad side. And I think there's a lot of fear there. Um, but they're just regular people trying to do their jobs. Also, they have a dealership to run, but they can't run the dealership. If your voice is, is not out there, if you don't have something to say, and, and it doesn't matter how new to the industry, new to the shop, um, that you are, they want to hear what you have to say, as long as you say it in a respectful way. And, and you mentioned it, you know, a lot of people get really upset and that is when they want to go talk to management, but that's usually when emotions are involved and that you're not thinking logically about what you want to say. You just go in the heat of the moment and just fire off everything that's wrong or, or however you approach what you're trying to say. It, it's never in a positive way. And I think, um, just realizing, okay, I'm angry right now. Take a step back, maybe even take a minute, write down some things that, that you want to say or some points, even if they're mad on paper and then reread them and just come back to it and say, okay, how can I just put this across to some, a person, you don't even have to think of them as a manager, just as a person respectfully to where they'll be receptive to it. I think that is a huge part of it. Um, but I mean, they, like I said, they want to hear what you have to say. They don't want to lose you. And they don't, they don't right. want you to be out there mad. You know, you, I've, I can't tell you how many times I got mad at a car and broke something because I was angry. I thought, well, if I wasn't mad, I wouldn't have broken this and I would have, I wouldn't have had to fix it. Just create more work for myself. So. It's interesting because I think that's really good advice uh, just to write something out. And, you know, if you can take a night to sleep on it, right. And, and really think through you know, it's, it's so cliche to say, put yourself in the other person's shoes, but it really applies here, right? Is if you're upset with something that's going on in the shop, um, maybe it's perceived how you're being treated. Maybe it's, Hey, this tool has been broken for the last two years and we haven't been able to fix it. Like what's going on. It, there's always something that boils up or creates that boil up. And a lot of times it's not just that one thing. Maybe there's other things kind of eating at you as well. And it's that one thing that triggers you to, to kind of go off the rails. And I've seen it too often in my career where a technician kind of blackballs themselves a little bit. They get themselves painted as the complainer or the, the temperamental person uh, that they shouldn't, right? Like there's so many people that probably get, put in the wrong bucket because they waited too long to talk about it, or maybe they didn't do it the right way. And then 
it ends up costing them because, you know, and granted in today's day and age, if a tech is upset, they can probably just go to the next shop and, and work. But I don't think it's about that. I think it, you know, from a technician standpoint, and the reason why we're having this conversation is we want technicians to be in a better spot. We don't want them to feel like they're not heard and that they're, you know, that they're, they're, issues aren't being addressed, right? It's just from a technician standpoint, I think we could do a better job at at addressing some issues. And there's times where it's going to call for you to probably get a little bit more upset than usual. But if you can control that, it, it's going to help you over the course of your career. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more. There are issues kind of across the board that it's not just a technician communicating what they have to say, but is it being received and translated the way that it needs to be or delegated the way that it should. And I think um, another important thing to keep in mind too, for a technician that is worried about just being made out to be the guy that complains is, is understand your shop's hierarchy. So where are you at in that hierarchy? Well, if you're a technician, you're probably, I mean, for lack of better words, close to the bottom of that hierarchy. Um, And then you'll have, You'll have your foreman, usually someone right above you. And and sometimes the best course of action is to talk to your foreman, which most people would be more comfortable doing because your foreman's a technician just like you Uh, in most shops. I mean, even if he's a non uh, a non producing foreman, most of the time he got that way by being a technician and you can communicate with someone with like principles and like experiences a lot easier than you could walk into the office and talk to your service manager, which sometimes isn't the right course of action. So that also is important is to realize, you know, where should you take your concern with, with, uh, you'd mentioned the broken tool. I would take that to my foreman because he's going to take it to the manager with probably a list of other things that need to be fixed. And then it's going to go where it needs to go. But I mean, just, just don't, don't yell at people. (laughs) It's more important. (laughs) I think. I do. I, I think you're right. I I think one situation where you get put in a really tough spot as a tech is if your problem is with the foreman or your problem is with the service manager. And, you know, I, I had it uh, when I, you know, I was more in kind of that fixed ops director type of role where I would have a tech come to me and say, hey, my manager's not treating me right. They're you know, being unfair in whatever way, or, you know, they're berating me and not respecting me. And from a leadership standpoint, that is a real challenging conversation to have because you want to make sure that you're taking care of the tech, but also that tech probably should have went and talked to the manager first. Right. And like, there should have been kind of a, a chain of command type of conversation. And the only reason that's the case, or that's why I say that it's the case is that, it puts that upper manager into an awkward position because then they have to go circle back to the manager and say, Hey, so-and-so was talking, you know, had a conversation with me, shared this information with me. And then what happens is that manager is furious because you went around them. Right. And that creates a whole bunch of infighting. Oftentimes it does not end well at all. And, it puts kind of everybody in an awkward position. And, you know, a lot of times that tech felt the need to go around them because there, you know, there was some bigger reason and maybe they didn't see something being changed. And, 
It's just, uh, I think when you look at it from, from a text point of view, it's really frustrating because you're like, okay, I feel like this person needs to fix this thing and they're not, I keep telling them to fix it. And, you know, a, a lot of it's, uh, you know, how they're treating people, uh, in, in how they communicate, right. Maybe not communicating, but then when they go around them, like it just creates this, there's like no turning back from that when that happens. And right. <laughs> so for those texts that are out there listening, just think really hard about how you're communicating in a scenario like that and think it through, maybe talk with your foreman or talk with somebody else that you trust uh, and not in a way where you're just kind of going out and bitching about that person, but actually like, Hey, I do have a true problem and I need to get this fixed. If I go this route, what's going to happen? And just think it through before you act emotional because that, that ends up putting text in a bad spot. And I, I don't want anybody to be in that spot. Yeah. I, I mean, in my experience in the industry, if a technician has to go higher than a service manager to get a problem fixed, they just go to another shop. It, there's not yeah. a, yeah, there's, there's no, Oh, I'm going to go make sure that this gets done because then you're branded. I mean, that's how a lot of us feel. And, and I've, I've been there where you're branded as the guy that, that runs his mouth to like upper management, you know, and then, and they're not going to fire you after that because you're, you've went up to upper management and they're afraid that if you go to HR and say it's retaliation, I mean, there's a whole thing, but they're going to, they're not going to treat you the same. And that's what a lot of people are afraid of. So they'll, they just bail. And I don't think that that's the right thing to it's do. It's unfortunate. No, it's unfortunate. And that yeah. that's, you're spot on. I mean, you're absolutely right. And so much of it could be prevented. And I think from, from a manager standpoint, we've really got to focus on that, that communication and understanding when somebody's frustrated and being able to, you know, pick up on signs. A lot of times somebody in that scenario is not communicating very well. And from a leadership standpoint, you should be the one to kind of be able to pick, pick out those key indicators, right? Like maybe it's body language, maybe it's, you know, being able to just kind of pick up on some attitude of something. And, uh, my philosophy always was in those scenarios was, Hey, let's go talk. Like, let's just go have a conversation yeah. and whatever's bugging you. Like, I think I was probably more of a laid back manager than a lot of people where I'd, I'd let them get the venting out and then have a conversation. And if, if you get into that scenario and you get a combative manager, you've, you're going to find yourself in a bad situation. And like you said, easiest path or the, the path of least resistance is just, just leave the dealership or leave the shop. Yeah. And that, that really doesn't help anybody, right? Like it's just, uh, it, there's no, no improvement there. There's no, you know, there's just kind of sour feelings and cut our paths, you know? Well, yeah. And then, I mean, if you think about it from a manager's standpoint, like if, if there are managers listening to this podcast, if you, if you respond negatively, even the initially when a technician walks through the door and they say, Hey, do you have a minute? Um, if you respond negatively right there, you're not going to get a hundred percent of what needs to come out. And uh, if a technician's taking the time to come and say, Hey, do you have a minute? And they're calm, their demeanor is calm. Then you're what you're going to get with a positive kind of response to even just that question is the technicians come and they're going to explain to you things that they actually need to say. And you might get a really productive conversation. And if you don't, and you do go that negative route and you don't leave it open for 
anyone for that matter to talk to you as a manager and that person does leave, then that whole experience right there is where word of mouth goes to other technicians and you won't get other people to come to your dealership because they'll hear about that. Or even if you do, you'll get technicians that have a much shorter fuse, um, even if it's not like a they're angry, but they'll say, oh, I'm not dealing with this. I heard about this from this guy. I'm leaving. Even if they do even go to that dealership or shop and work. It's weird because it, there's so much of a ripple effect off of a conversation like that, because it doesn't just end in the office. It ends up going into the shop and then you're talking, you know, as a tech, I I get your, your point of view here. I'm guessing you hear about it when somebody has that bad experience when they come back out. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the industry talks, I, I, I've been here in, in this city in Reno, Nevada since October of last year. And I've had, I've worked at three different shops in the area. It's, I know it's a lot, but I had a really bad experience (laughs) at the first dealership. And then I took an opportunity that didn't end up panning out. Um, but at both jobs, I heard things about both dealerships uh, for the first dealership I worked at, I heard about things that I'd never heard about when I moved into this town. But then I heard things about the shop that I was going to from people in that, in that dealership. And then I also heard about all other things from this city to Carson city, um, about a ton of other dealerships. I mean, I have, I have connections all the way out in Carson city right now and I just got here. So it's, Things, things get around. Don't mistake that because people talk. If they won't talk to you, they'll talk to someone. Wrenchway is excited to announce the launch of Tech Mission local events starting September 18th to select cities across the country. These week-long virtual events will bring together local automotive and diesel communities to empower technicians and industry professionals to express open and honest feedback about the industry showcase shops that exemplify best practices, and to recognize individuals who are making a positive impact on the industry and their local community. Plus, we'll be giving away over $10,000 in prizes. There's no cost for technicians, service advisors, and other individuals working in the industry to participate, and all activities during the week can be completed on your own time. There are sponsorship opportunities available for shops and dealerships who want to get in front of the technicians in their area and help promote and improve the industry. Registration is free and now open. Go to wrenchway.com, click the local chapter link, and select your city to learn more and pre-register. Link is in the show notes. You know, with Wrenchway, we promote a lot of transparency, right? We want shops to be transparent. We want, you know, to, in a, in a lot of cases, the shop might have a different story than what the tech did, right? Especially in a scenario yeah. where maybe the shop lets go of the, the tech and there's an adversarial kind of uh, parting of the ways. And there are, is always two sides to every story. And it, I think, from a shop standpoint, it's really important that, you know, I, I think I go back to maybe core values or your mission as a company. And, you know, if if you live by a good set of values, I think you can always lean on those in those types of conversations and, and you know, maybe say, hey, it just didn't fit our values or there wasn't a, an alignment there. 
Um, but being able to kind of share who you are through transparency, I think is a, a big deal because there's always, it doesn't matter what business I think, I think our, the service business in general, there are a lot of rumors going around all the time. There's always, there's always chatter of some type, right? And, and oh, yeah. good, bad, or indifferent. And uh, we actually, I don't know if you were on this round table. I don't think you were on the one that I asked this question where I had a, a group of techs on, and this was one year for tech mission, I think. And I asked, you know, there's a lot of shops that are really hesitant to state their salary or their pay. And uh, I'm like, I, the one thing that I've always said is like, regardless of how hesitant you are to share that information, most techs already know it. They probably know it better than the management does of yeah. what the surrounding shops are paying. And so I'd asked them on the round table, I said, so do you guys ever, do you talk about salary? And like the one guy immediately said, yeah, as soon as we get a new guy to start, we take him out for beers and we find everything out about the old, <laughs> the old <laughs> shop that they came from. And I'm like, that's, that's what we've got to like, yeah. I'm a huge fan of addressing elephant in the room types of things. The fact that there's shops out there that think that techs don't know what everybody else is already paying is mind blowing to me. Yeah, we know. We know. I mean, the first first three questions that you get asked if you go to a new shop, where'd you come from? What'd you make? Why'd you leave? And and that's that's it. We we want to know. And that's how we find out. I mean, that's that right there is the non communicative uh, networking right there is okay this guy came from this shop this is what he said but then there's i mean you take it with with a grain of salt or for what it's worth i mean because the guy just got there you don't know who he is you you hear what he said but is it really is that really how it goes kind of thing i mean uh the last shop that i was just at that independent shop that i came from the owner of the shop was more than transparent about rumors that I would have heard uh, about him um, from because he had that shop open for 10 years and he sat me down in a chair and just said, you know, I was not nice to my people four or five years ago because I was in a bad place personally. And he just, he was really open about that. And I, I respected him for it yeah. because if I had heard, which I hadn't heard anything terrible. I mean, I heard some things that weren't, it, it wasn't Flattering. good. Yeah. You know, but, but I give everybody a shot. I give everyone the benefit of the doubt, but for him to come out and just be as transparent as he was with who he was and why he was like that and, and the history of his shop and his struggle and everything. I mean, it was, it was nice to hear because you don't get that. You really don't get that from anyone. It's, and it builds trust, right? Because yeah, if, if there's any shop, and this is why, you know, we, we really promote really hard the need for kind of that just natural content and showing off your personality is, is you get so much further ahead when you don't paint the picture that everything's always roses and rainbows, like across the board, right? It's uh, being able to say, Hey, you know what? We're not perfect. I know there's not a perfect shop out there. Everybody's got issues. There's, you know, it's just being able to be transparent about, Hey, you know what? We fall short in this category, but guess what? We're working on it. We're working to get better. And with your help, we can get better. We can go to that next level. And I think that inspires trust with a tech in a lot of times, especially right now, because techs are so high in demand. 
that there might be a tendency to embellish a little bit from a shop standpoint about who you are. Yeah. And I would encourage the opposite. Right. And, and I love the fact that you said that, like it was refreshing to hear a person that was just fully upfront with stuff right off the bat and addressed it and kind of put it to bed. And I think that's a really, really good way to go about it. Well, and, and two, there's some kind of like, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the movie Wolf of Wall Street. It's a really good one. Love it. Uh, Great movie. Love that movie. But he said, don't judge me on my successes, but judge me on my failures because I have so few. And if you think about it, (laughs) you know, if you're a dealership and you really do have a lot to embellish about or you're a shop and you have a lot to just say we're doing really well, then why not? let them know where you fall short because maybe it's something like that where you see, okay, well, we are very successful in this aspect, but we aren't perfect, but there are fewer issues that we have that we have the ability to work on and are working on them. Then there are all of these really good benefits that you get instead. I mean, you will have to deal with some things. I mean, no one's perfect. Like you said, I've, I rarely go to a a shop or a dealership that's got it all together, no matter how big it's, it just, You're going to deal with an issue somewhere and you're just going to have to learn how to deal with that. To me, it's such a sign of security that, that, that a shop is secure with themselves. If they can have an honest conversation with the tech and, and really, you know, I, I think there's, it's a huge selling point to a tech when you say, listen, this is where we fall short. And maybe it's, Hey, we don't have an, uh, a great a tech right now. Uh, we need you to come on and like, we, we, like, we need to take our diagnostic ability up to the next level or, you know, like it's something as simple as that, that is almost like you're, you're making yourself open to that tech and building trust with them right off the bat. And I, um, you know, as we talk about communication, I think that's one of the barriers if, if, if you're trying to hide something, a tech's going to know when they come to work for you. Like it, it's not like it's, it's something that, you know, yeah. if you're trying to hold a secret um, and when they show up, it's not what it seemed like they're going to be disgruntled right off the bat. And yeah. it just doesn't start a very good relationship. When I think too, like I like to, I like to play devil's advocate as much as possible just because like, you know, I don't want, I don't want to put it all on, management because there are some responsibilities that we have as technicians and and knowing the issues that you've dealt with at other shops like maybe form yourself some questions if you if you're having that kind of dialogue with uh trying to get a new position i know more often than not i have a conversation not an interview i'll walk into That's a shop great. yeah they, i mean they want to know that they, they want to know who i am but uh, being almost a 13-year veteran in the industry, there's not really a whole lot of interviewing that needs to happen. You're a technician. You've been in the industry for 13 years. How can we get you here? Um, that's how it goes. But I'm terrible <laughs> at asking questions. I, I walk in and they'll say, you have any questions for us? And I'll, I'll say no. And then we'll have a conversation. And then I'll leave. And I'll go home and I'll say, man, I really wish I would have asked this. Or more frequently, uh, my fiance will say, did you ask them this? And I'll say, no, I didn't. And now I want to. So, you know, it's just to that. I mean, that kind of ties into what I was talking about earlier with just having those interviews and networking and just being comfortable with with talking and asking these questions and knowing what kind of questions to ask. Just having that exposure just 
it helps a whole lot. Well, I think that leads really nicely into the networking outside of your shop, right? And and it's kind of a weird not a weird topic to talk about from a technician standpoint, but I think there's probably a lot of technicians that'll listen to this and say, well, why would I care about networking? I'd go in, I do my job. I'm really damn good at my job. And then I leave. And I think you just hit on something that I, I think is a key reason as to why you would do that. It is trying to have a conversation and turning it, you know, really taking your conversational skills to the next level, maybe your storytelling skills to the next level, but also just being comfortable talking uh, to anybody. Right. And I think, you know, I look back to when I was a young professional and I had taken Toastmasters classes, which for those of you not familiar is uh, a class about how you present and how you uh, can speak in front of a crowd, you know, that kind of thing. And it was really impactful to me. I actually wish I'd never would have stopped. It was just that I moved and then uh, never found another group. But it it is uh, it is really really helpful. Just that rehearsal aspect of it and having good conversations with people and and it it just opens your horizons so much more when you're able to do so. Networking, in my opinion, as a technician, is very important in this day and age specifically. Um. For a multitude of reasons. I mean, it hasn't before been an issue. You can ask a guy from 20 years ago, like your, your older veterans, you can ask them. They, they didn't need to. They could just walk into a shop and say, I need a job. And then they would, they would bring them in and, and fill out paperwork, you know, and that, and that's how it worked. But right now, I mean, I've gotten to talk to the, the companies before they've hit the ground floor. Uh, I was I was talking to uh, Rivian before they started coming out and they were asking people to work for them and and uh, Lucid Motors. Even there was an opportunity that I found through networking for Lucid Motors. And I mean, how many people can say they've even seen these vehicles on the road right now? You know, like the through networking. I mean, that's how you and I connected is you found me on LinkedIn. It's it's the most important thing for I think personal growth as a technician right now and, and communication skills. It, it's not a difficult thing to do. It's not something that you have to manage consistently that the most, I think the most management that I have to do on my LinkedIn is update when I get a new job, you know, and every once in a while I'll comment on some posts or share them and, and, you know, see whatever uplifting posts, uh, one of my former managers may have posted, uh, trying to create team building, which is, it's nice, but you know, I mean, I know what they actually do in their management life. So, <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, it, it's something that, that I started doing and actually turned on, um, the idea to one of my one of my friends and, and mentors, I've spoke about him before. Uh, I turned him on him uh, onto that idea while I was working there. I said, dude, just make a LinkedIn start there and just put down all your ASCs or whatever certifications you have, your experience, just a brief description. And people will talk to you because there's shops in the area that want to talk to you, whether or not you take the job. Um, he's, he's, a uh, a uh, big supporter of a quote that he told me where um, everybody's got a price 
and he's his loyalty lies where where they'll pay him the most. That's the most beneficial because at the end of the day, I mean, bare bones, nitty gritty family comes first, like every, every time. And if a shop says, Hey, you know what? We've got this opportunity and we pay for all your benefits and you'll get a a little bit of a pay bump. If you do this, why wouldn't you want to talk to them? You know, it does. It doesn't make sense not to, you know, you just terrified every shop that's listening to this right now, right? (laughs) You know, I think they need to be a little scared. We have the ability to do these things. And if, if I'm telling you right now, shops, know, managers know if they're falling short, it's hard not to know. And if, if you know that you're falling short, you have the ability to fix it, but also understand that now, hopefully more technicians are going to start networking and understand that they have more mobility than you think. You, you don't have to be chained to the idea of one shop or you, your tool. I mean, your toolbox has wheels for a reason is another one of my favorite industry quotes, right? It's if you need to go, then go. If another opportunity prevents itself, why would you stop yourself from doing that? You know, and if you, if it doesn't, why wouldn't you want to talk to uh, enterprise or, you know, AAA or someone like that who is opening these shops all over the place right now and might have something that you like to hear right now, but maybe don't want to take them up on their offer. But who knows six months from now, if that offer doesn't sound more enticing to you, and then you've already made that connection and already have that dialogue going to where you can just contact them and say, Hey, you remember me? And they'll say, Oh yeah. Like, how's it going? And then say, you're looking and it's much, it's much easier than, than it used to be to, to get that kind of relationship with a lot of other places. Technicians, are you looking for a new job? Even if you're just casually looking, you need to check out Reverse Job Posts. Reverse Job Posts flip the traditional job board around. You fill out a short questionnaire and let shops reach out to you with questions or job opportunities. No resume needed. The best part is all of your contact information remains anonymous until you're ready to share it. It's a great way to explore new job opportunities, and it's completely free. To create a reverse job post, simply download the free Wrenchway mobile app or visit Wrenchway.com and click on the reverse job post link. We've also included the links in the show notes. So let's let's take a step back from right there, and I want to talk about you know, I, I had mentioned in kind of a joking fashion that there are shops that are terrified of that. And I think <laughs> I do empathize with shops in this regard, right? Is that they don't have the leverage um, in that conversation. I think there's a lot of shops that are terrified. I, you know, I kind of make the joke a lot that there's a lot of shops that will post their people, you know, a picture of their, their people on social media or like even on Shop Talk or wherever. Yeah. And not include a last name. And it's because they don't want their people poached. If you put your, if you put the shoe on the other foot, what advice would you give to shops to be able to stay on top of this? Because I, I had a nice conversation with a manager not too long ago and he goes, Jay, I'm trying my best to stay on top of this, but the pay scales are changing so rapidly right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to take care of my people, but we also have a business to run. We also have to make money to stay in business. And I think it's this this kind of it puts 
managers in kind of a weird spot because they're trying their best to to take care of their people and without doing it every single day or trying to like, you know, like almost, yeah. you know, you don't want to come off as desperate either, right. From the shop side. So like, what advice would you have for a shop to kind of keep their finger of, uh, on the pulse and say, Hey, Zach, I want, I want to have you here for the next 20 years. Like, what can we do to take care of you? So we know that you're top of mind. And I think this is what, you know, when, when we talk about networking from a technician standpoint, I think that's what it, it freaks shops out because it opens up a bunch of opportunities. And if I'm in that shop side, I obviously want to keep you as long as I possibly can, especially you. You're a nice guy, right? You're a nice guy that uh, does good work. You try to be, right? Uh, (laughs) So, you know, let's take a, a, like a look at it from the other side and try to maybe give some advice on ways that a shop could keep their kind of their finger on this a little bit and try to say, hey, we want to take care of you. We want you here for a long time. I think, you know, just as a starting point, like that question in and of itself is a good way to start. I mean, open up the uh, the communication with your technicians. It's uh, it's not difficult to do every six month or year reviews. And I think it was uh, one of the poll questions on the Wrenchway app where you asked how many shops do reviews. And I noticed that not many do or in, in most of I think either not many knew and then almost equally not many of the people even knew if they did or not. And that's a good indication that they probably don't do reviews, but a six month or a year review is a good opportunity for you not to just sit there and lay out on the table paperwork that tells them that they did a good job, which is nice to hear. I'd love to hear when I've done a good job because a lot of times this is a very thankless job. People, we do really good work and then nobody says, Hey, thanks for doing a good job. And uh, that is nice to hear, but but if a manager were to, in a review, say, you've been doing a really good job, we're really proud of uh, your performance, and then whatever follows after that, if they give raises, however they do um, that, but just ask, like, do you see yourself with this company in the next five years? You know, short-term kind of thing. It's not 20 years, but, you know, it's five. It's good five sure. years. That's, I think that's a pretty good lifespan for a technician at a shop. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would take a tech for five years. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and if, if the technician like says yes, I mean, if you've opened up like a, a good platform for communication in your shop in general, they should give you an honest answer. And I mean, you have to also understand on that side of, of the desk that there are some instances where they're going to tell you what you want to hear. And I mean, that's just there's not really much you can do about that. But just to open up that conversation and say, what do you, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Do you see yourself here? And if they said no, and they were honest with you, say, is there anything that we could do to change that? And a lot of times the technician will tell you what they want because I feel like that that issue is probably really individualized in a lot of cases. Like if you're at an independent shop or, or a Firestone or something like that, you have to understand that your technicians are likely going to leave within a year or two because they're trying to grow out of the shop. Everybody wants to put on a shirt that says a name brand on it. I mean, that's how I felt when I was in at Firestone. I mean, I worked for them for a stint and uh, you know, I mean for, for those bigger companies that are trying to keep or even independent shops that are trying to keep people just, 
just talk to your people. Like what, what would you like to see different, you know, show that, that not only do you care to ask, but maybe even show that you care to act. That's a huge thing too. Care to act. That's uh that's good advice. And, you know, I, I think I learned this the hard way in that I had a tech that I sat down with in a, in a conversation and said, Jay, I'm really happy not going anywhere. Really enjoy this. And the tech put the resignation in like a month later. And I was like, <laughs> I was so blindsided by it, but you know, in his defense, he got a great opportunity and, and had left. But as I was thinking back to my conversation, I'm like, you know, there's a, a book by John C. Maxwell that talks about it's a uh, good leaders ask great questions. And I think if you can get serious about, you know, from a, a management standpoint, asking deeper questions rather than just, are you happy? You know, maybe asking yeah. specific things about, you know, how the shop is running, how you like your peers, uh, you know, like just diving a little bit deeper into it. I think you can get past that surface level conversation and get into the good stuff, get in the deep stuff, you know, and, be open and honest. You know, the more you build trust with that technician team, I, it goes back to what we talked about with being transparent up front. It helps you in those conversations, have good, honest conversations. And, you know, maybe it is, Hey, what do you think of our pay scale right now? What do you think of our pay? Are we competitive? Yeah. And, you know, from a management standpoint, if you go into that conversation, not being delusional and thinking that techs don't know what the, the competitive dealerships are paying, you can have that good conversation. And, you know, over the years I found maybe that was a little easier conversation to have is, you know, give us an idea. Are we on point? And I think good people will give you good feedback on that. And, you know, maybe say, Hey, you know what? We probably are a few bucks behind, you know, per flat rate hour per hour, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, we, we should probably get caught up because there's risk there. And if you've built a team that's loyal to you, at some regard, not even loyalty, meaning that they're going to stay with you forever, but loyalty, meaning they're going to, they're going to give you, you know, the, the truth and they're going to give you good feedback so that you can make your operation better. I think, I think that's really, really important to ask good questions. Now, the other follow-up I would have with that is when you, you know, in your time in shops, have you ever been surveyed, like surveyed about your happiness in the shop or anything like that? Yeah, quite a few times uh, they do anonymous surveys, uh, either yeah. through your phone or they'll send out paperwork that you don't have to uh, put your name on. And they ask um, how you are. I mean, I've been given those as late into my career, or my time at that particular shop as a year or as early as three weeks. I think uh, a couple years ago, they were doing surveys. It just so happened to be right when I started there and I I think the attitude for most people is I don't know. I haven't been here long enough to know, <laughs> you know, and if I say something, I don't want to, I don't want it get to be trouble. wrong. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, not even get in trouble, but like, am I, am I advocating for myself or for everyone in the shop? And that's like, you don't want to say something that's very personal, like not personal to you, but like a, an issue that you personally have and then change everything for the entire shop. And then everyone's mad at you. Like that's, that'd yeah. be the worst. <laughs> so maybe if they're doing an early stage survey, it should be like on the onboarding process and stuff that you have experienced already, not, you know, trying to, you know, give them 
all the scrape feedback when you're when you're brand new. I think that is yeah. uh, that's a solid point. Uh, do you trust them? Like, do you trust the surveys? Uh, and uh, the reason I ask that is, I, I think maybe a lot of shops or surveying services maybe don't do a great job at saying the reason why they're doing them, and then it could result in like that same scenario we just talked about where. If you fill out a negative survey and you have a negative comment about the manager or uh, about, you know, something, other coworkers or something like that, it could come back to bite you if somebody finds out about it. And so I, I think most most every survey tool is meant to try and make themselves better, right? They're not doing it to try and say, gotcha on something. They're trying yeah. to actually make their place better. But do you get that sense in the shop that like that they're giving honest feedback or is it more of you know, I, I got to take the survey. I'm going to get through it. I think that it depends on how long you've been in the industry because, um, point. I don't think that a lot changes from surveys from technicians. Um, I've done a bunch of them and I rarely see any kind of change. There was one shop that we did surveys and then in the following week we did a meeting about the surveys and they talked about uh, a couple of the things that, that they did write down in the surveys or see a lot of in the surveys and they tried to make a change. Um, but it's, I mean, one shop out of the almost 13 years that I've been doing this, you know, you're going to get a guy that's been doing it for 20 years. That's been filling out surveys since the beginning of his career. And he's going to pencil whip that thing and throw it in the box. <laughs> but <laughs> You know, you get a guy with with seven years in that's still got a little passion left for the industry and he might give you an honest, honest feedback. But I I feel like you'll get the best feedback from your people face to face in an office where there's yeah. no one else. It, it, and they most of the time, like, I mean, for me personally, and I think this is pretty widespread. I don't care if they know that it's me that has the, the opinion. I just want to know that if I give you an opinion, you're not going to put me on the chopping block right afterward. You know, like I, I want to know that if I give you an opinion, you understand that it's my professional opinion and in no way reflects you personally. It's, it's just, I, I mean, I have, I have a lot of experience. I have a lot of, of different things that, that I used to have to do at different shops. I've been through a lot of different processes. I think that I have a lot to say, a lot of really good information and it's not, like it's not personal. It's just, I have, it's off of experience. Like I've experienced this at this shop and it worked really well. And I think if you guys did this, that it would benefit you like kind of conversation. It's not, it's not like I hate this place and you guys don't do this, which I think is perceived that way, way, way too often. The, the importance and tone going into that conversation from a technician standpoint is really, really important. Yeah, You can't go in guns a blazing. You have to go in with the mindset of I'm trying to help you guys get better. I'm trying to help, yeah. You know uh, the the you know us function better as an operation. So I I, I think uh, you hit on some pretty good key points there. Yeah, it's I don't I am a huge advocate. I'll say it again. Don't yell at people. <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's not good to raise your voice <laughs> at people. <laughs> You might have inspired the next Wrenchway shirt. We'll do a, a don't yell at people <laughs> Don't shirt. yell at people. Uh, just, yeah. <laughs> just it's like if you can walk into an office angry 
and just tone it down and have a conversation. I, I always say I like to have a conversation, not a confrontation. There's no reason to get mad if you can put your points into very clear and concise ideas and put it across as, as something that someone will be receptive of. Because if you, the moment you start yelling, I, I want to say within 30 seconds of you yelling at someone, they've yeah. toned out everything you said. Yeah. 100%. They, they only get, I was being yelled at. Well, and I, I think I agree. One, one thing I would add there is, and this is something I tried to, to teach my team over the years is that if you've got a problem with something, don't just come and complain about it. Come with maybe a solution. Come with, you know, hey, this stinks, but if maybe if we did it this way, it would be better. You know, I think most leaders want your life to be better. And I think if you come with to them with maybe a solution or two uh, to, you know, even with my managers when, when working with them, you know, if they came to me with a problem, I'd read this in a book somewhere where, you know, I would, I would kind of turn it back on them and say, okay, like I want you to come up with three different scenarios or three different solutions to this problem. And the whole intent wasn't for them to do my job. It was to get them to think through it so that we could, we could better be on the same page so they could make the the decision without having to come to me. Right. And it's, you know, kind of the same thing. If you're in that technician, if you're coming from those, the shoes of a technician, if you can come with good solutions that, you know, make sense financially, can better your department, I don't think you're going to get much resistance from a manager, right? Like if you yeah. actually have thought it through and you have something. So, you know, I, I think that is very, very important. Now, we're getting close to the end here. One of the things that I thought was really interesting in talking with you was you kind of echoed some of the stuff that we talk about at Wrenchway in terms of the need to build a community uh, over and above just an industry, right? And kind of tying it back to the networking side and how we support one another as, you know, in terms of technicians and, and being able to, I think, provide a united front from the technician standpoint. I do think it's so important that we drive that community of, you know, trying to uplift each other and maybe have a little bit more of a positive message. You know, there's so many experience text when you go onto a Facebook group that speak negatively about this industry and yeah. in the shops, you know, they're telling, you know, our best are telling young people to go away. And it's very, you know, I think frustrating from an industry standpoint, looking at it and saying, okay, how can we do better here? And I think it comes from community. And I think it comes from talking about these elephant in the room type of problems so that we can make the lives better for technicians. And, and um, so when you said that it really resonated with me because I, I think it's truly our mission and what we're trying to live. And I'd love to hear that you're, you're in the same thought process, right? Like you, you want to see that yeah. community. I mean, we, we already work as a community with, with our local shops. Technicians already have a community where it's word of mouth right now. So for us to not also just keep privy on just keeping in contact with other people in the community, it just doesn't make any sense to not uh, utilize what we have. And 
Um, I think that there are uh, there are so many resources out there that are underutilized by people in I think service industries all over. I mean, you yeah. you would never see plumbers or electricians doing things like networking either, but especially for technicians right now, with it being such a, a important market for you, like to have all of these opportunities out there, it just getting out on LinkedIn, getting on the Wrenchway app, just being involved in the community, even if you don't say anything or aren't comfortable saying anything yet, just watch, just look, read. There's so many, I think uh, Tanner, I have him on LinkedIn and he's just like, you love seeing stuff that he posts. I mean, this guy yeah. knows stuff about the industry and posts advocating for industry growth. And, and like you said, community, it, we're out here to help one another, make it a wide scale thing. Like go out there, use the internet for something good for once, you know, <laughs> that, that, that's a really good point. And that's one thing, you know, I'll say that we see, and I would encourage those that are resistant to put their voice out there to maybe be a little bit more active and just keep in mind, do it in a way that's, you know, productive, right? If you're just going to complain to complain, you're not actually helping anything, but if yeah. you're out there to, you know, to help drive this industry to a better place, I think it ultimately ends up in your life being easier. It's just a matter of buying into it and not, you know, not, not shying away from it. Let your voice be heard. That's so big for me is voice of technician. And, you know, as I kind of summarize our podcast here, that's one of the things I love about you is that you do, you you don't shy away from some of those things. And I think it's important we continue to talk about them and, and put them out there in, in the spotlight to, to really talk through them because there's a lot of opportunity for shops to get better. There's a lot of yeah. opportunity for techs to get better. Right. And, right. and not have to be miserable going into the shop. It's just a matter of, you know, how do we connect? I, you know, I talk to a lot of techs that love working on cars, but hate the business of working on cars. Oh yeah, And that common. is, it, it, that's tough, right? Because that's, that's where we're losing so many of them. And, I think some of it comes from maybe not having an understanding of the business side. And I, I put that on the shoulders of a lot of businesses because we've got to do a better job at communicating financials. We've got to do a yeah. better job at communicating how people are doing. Uh, but, you know, I, I think every, every part of the industry would be well served to put the, the put the shoe on the other foot. Right. And try to yeah. try to f really see it from the other side and, the more we do that, I think the more, you know, I think community drives that, but the more we can do that, I think the more we have an understanding of one another, the more we can try to try to uplift the, this whole darn thing. I think, uh, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. There's a lot, there's a lot that, that can be done to make things a lot better that are really easy. Uh, and I mean, I'm, I'm a huge, huge advocate for people speaking out and I love giving advice and like, I wouldn't even care if people found me on LinkedIn through these things and sent me a message saying, Hey, you know, I need some advice. Like I, I love helping people. That, that's why I do things like this is because there's a lot of guys out there that were like me seven, eight years ago that could have really used some of this advice that it took me years to get. And I just sat there one day and was like, why not put more out there so that people coming into the industry can 
get this information at a much earlier stage and really get a hang of how to not necessarily not necessarily manipulate but navigate through all these different facets that you have available to you at this point and at this stage in in the way the industry is and it's just you know it's so important for you to be involved more in the industry than you used to be it just it's just important now i appreciate you coming on and and uh sharing a lot of really good stuff with us. Really, really enjoyed the conversation. Really, really enjoy your candor and how comfortable you are talking about some of this stuff. Not everybody is. And uh, just uh, always, always a pleasure to have you on. Always a pleasure to catch up with you. And uh, and hopefully it's not a hundred episodes before we see you again. <laughs> no, I'm available anytime. I love doing these things. It's always, <laughs> it's always a pleasure being on the podcast. And like I said, just giving any kind of information that I've gotten Hoping it helps the next guy. Thank you, Zach. Yeah, thank you, Jay. That wraps up this week's episode of Beyond the Wrench. Be sure to tune in next week for another brand new episode. As a reminder, don't forget to rate and follow Beyond the Wrench on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps us get Beyond the Wrench in front of other fantastic shop owners, managers, technicians, and dealers just like you, so we can continue to help improve, promote, and grow this amazing industry. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll be back next week.